that, we are underway here at the Dummy Run Podcast, a Minutes United leaning MLS podcast that may mention the USL from time to time. I'm Alex McGracken. He's Grant Hershberger. And what? We've won two times since we last talked. Two good wins, Grant. How are yeah. we feeling? I mean, you know, there was that weird Colorado Rapids loss, which at least still came with um, three goals, right? Yep. So, so a lot of goals for us um, in the last few games, but man, um, I think we have to address something we talked about earlier in the season, which was, I, I think it was just after like the inter Miami game. I think we were talking some serious conversations about, uh, Heath out, right. I mean, we were, you and I were, we were heated. We were not feeling like, um, this is the, the, the coach that's going to bring us to the promised land. And now, Alex, do we need to revisit these thoughts? Because, dear listeners, I would like to at least acknowledge, I don't think that we waffle on our opinions, but I do think we we adjust to what we're seeing. So I'll let Alex go ahead first. That's that's my waffling way. <laughs> I'm not way flip-flopping. Of... I'm just adjusting. I'm just adjusting. No, I no mean, I think... Alex, I play both sides. That way yeah. I'm never wrong, right? Right, yeah. right. No, we could all use a bit more of admitting when we were wrong and changing our opinions based on new evidence. That is for damn sure. But I don't think that's necessarily even what's going on here. And I, it's funny you brought this up because I was thinking about this today when we were talking that we we're going to record. And I don't want to be like, I feel like we keep talking about this Heath out thing, but I also want to make sure that we're not just like leaving these takes that we had in the past and pretending like we never had them. So I do think it is important to go back to them now and ask ourselves, all right, well, how do we feel now? And yeah, I mean, in the moment, right? What we, we were not, we were, we were down to 13th at one point, I think was the, the furthest we dropped in and things were not looking great. Um, and now we've climbed back up basically in the third place, right? I mean, with, with two games in hand on Dallas or one point behind them and looking at our schedules, I, I don't think there's any, we'll have any trouble catching them if, if all things considered. So what does that mean? You know, I don't know. It, when you look back at the way that things were going when we were at the height of Heath out, I don't think there's much you can look at and say that we were wrong. And when you look at where we've come now, does that mean that we were wrong? Probably, right? <laughs> it probably means that we're wrong now that we've we've gone on this unbeaten streak, you know, where we've climbed up in the table. We're, we're looking like such a better team now. That probably means that we were wrong. But well, if we so don't, if, if we if we lose in the first round of the playoffs, are we back to being right again? I honestly don't know. I mean, it's tough because you look at like what some of our complaints were. Like one of them was the Heath doghouse, which like, okay, so there's nobody really in his doghouse right now, but that's because he got rid of everybody who was in the doghouse. So like, it's not that that doesn't exist anymore. It's just he has removed uh, all triggers for that scenario. It's like saying this guy's not an alcoholic cause he's not drinking, but it's like, well, cause there's no beer in the house. Like mm. he can't mm. drink if there's no beer in the house. So whatever. Right. I do think that um, Heath's substitution tactics have gotten a lot better. And you can point that out to a couple of different things where like, maybe um, he really does like the, the depth that we have now. I mean, we've got some really good options at a variety of different positions. Um, but, you know, I, I think from what I've seen, the, the overall stand 
that I think we've taken for a long time is we're not in the locker room. So a lot of these, you know, scenarios could be very circumstantial mm-hmm. and whatever it ends up being, it seems like he's got the buy-in from the players. I'm not um, anti Heath. I think the people who complain about like, Oh, Heath, uh, you know, is rude to fans or whatever. I think that's baloney. Um, I don't think he's the best coach in the world, but I also think that he's a very solid coach. And at this point, especially from this season with the team, he's got put together, whatever. It is not high on my concern. You just got kind of glitchy, but it looks like you're back now. So, okay. So here we are right now. How do you feel about your take looking back where, with where we stand right now? How do you feel about that earlier in the season, you were feeling like it's fully time to move on from Heath. Do you feel like you were wrong or do you feel like things have just improved? Yeah, I probably was a little bit wrong. I was hasty. I was hasty. I think I was a bit reactionary. Um, but I also think, I mean, a variety of things have happened. We've seen, and, and is this a chicken or an egg thing, but we've seen Amaria come into form. We've seen Fragapane go from a terrible form to a good form. We've seen Ray pull himself together. Um, we've had some people get healthy all of a sudden. Robin Lude's played central midfield um, fantastically. And so... I don't know. Is it Heath triggering some of these things? Is it Heath benefiting from some of these things? You know, I, I think you got to give a little bit of credit. If you're going to give blame for losses on the coach, you got to give some credit for the wins. So whatever he's doing, it seems to be working. Um, the players seem to really, you know, be in, in jiving. I don't know. I don't know what I'm yeah. trying to say with yeah. that, but no, I don't either. I don't either. It's, I don't know which way to look at it. I certainly don't want to run from my take. So if, if, if I need to say something, yeah, sure. I was wrong in that to your point, who knows, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, yeah, who knows? Um, I, I, we, I, I think what we've said is he, we've said for a long time, he's a good, like he's a fine coach. It's yeah. just that there were times where we believe it might be time to move on from him. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, the only take I want to run from is my preseason take of how Austin was going to end up the year, because I <laughs> that might be the the most wrongerist I've ever been. Yeah, really. Well, I had I had Dallas and dead last, so I that was not great on my part either. Um, Austin's been great this year, man. I I think I st- I still don't think that they're the second best team in the league. I think. Um, I think they'll draw honestly, and I think they will drop down um, as the season goes on. Just they just seem a little too volatile. Um, you know, Jerusi has over twice as many goals as anyone else on the team, so like they're not they're not getting production from a lot of places. It's just pretty much as as he goes, they go. Um, but they also are, you know, I think they've got something like almost ten points on us uh, on Dallas, us in Dallas right now. So um, which is funny catch. Which is funny that the narrative around Minnesota is that we're, you know, a Reynoso centric team versus the narrative around Austin is just that they're this incredible world beater. And you're like, well, Austin is good. I mean, I'm not saying they're very good, but like 
I would make the argument, just like what you're saying, Austin is a much more single player centric team. You know, if you take Drusy out of that lineup, they're, what are they going to do? Right. right. Um, it is funny to me though, that like they literally going from last year to this year, were just like, Hey, you guys want to just stop being bad. Oh, sure. Let's stop being bad. And then they just like, they didn't add yeah. that many impact players. They had Drusy last year and they were still this, they were yep. t- a terrible team, but like they literally had a, had a captain's meeting and they said, Hey guys, how about we stop sucking? Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. And then they just, stop sucking no new coach no there's no like i mean maybe it's ethan finley maybe he's the bump they needed there you go yeah um all right so do we want to talk about nashville at all i mean we went down to nashville we want to one um what felt like a, a really great road win uh nashville stadium was surprisingly empty they keep saying because it was a school night which I, that sounds foolish to me but whatever it was empty again this sunday so Say what you will there. Um, anything big from Nashville that you can remember that you want to touch off on, or should we, should we focus more on Austin? Um, no, I just think like Nashville, um, you know, nice away win. And um, I, you know, I, I kind of already moved on to, to Austin. I think it's just nice to see in this stretch of games that we've been scoring. Um, you know, multiple goals. Scoring multiple uh, goals coming back. Um, you know, we I think mm-hmm. in, um in Nashville, uh they tied it up, right? And then we scored a we scored a, the goal ahead goal. Uh, uh yes. Or did we get up by two and they just have to no, yeah. They, no, they we we, we won, yeah, we, we went up, they tied it, and then yeah. And then the same thing in Austin, you know, they going in halftime. So those are encouraging. Um Dane St. Clair's bounce back, which we'll talk more about in Austin. So, yeah, I don't think anything big coming out of out of Nashville that I think we need to touch on. Only thing I would say, and this probably can also roll into the the Austin game, is um, Alan Benitez. Yeah. In I know in the you know DMs that we have, I've been fanboying pretty hard, but like, man, uh, that guy, I'm really impressed. I'm very high on him. And I honestly think that, uh, you know, I was a diehard Metonier fan. Um, Benitez looks like a reinvigorated and refreshed Metonier, like, yeah. and, and almost at times more in sync with Reynoso and some of the other players up front. Um, you know, there was that quick uh, one touch passing sequence in Austin where Benitez brought the ball down to the final third Pass to Terrinoso, who one-touched it, to Fragapane, who one-touched it, and it was yep. almost like an upper 90 goal. And you're yep. like, these guys, but whatever it, it may be. Go ahead. Yeah, and he had another one where Amaria should have crossed it, crossed it into him when he took it upfield right down yeah. the middle. Yeah, when he was just like gallivanting yeah. down the middle. Yep. Yeah, he he has a lot of like the Metonair in terms of willingness to run, obviously, and speed and like quality. But Metonair was almost just only looking to take the sideline up. And maybe at the end, instead of crossing, he would cut in sometimes. But Benitez is showing a willingness to just make these these driving runs into the center of the field, which I think mm-hmm. is something we haven't we never saw from from Metonair, definitely not from DJ. And it's been really interesting kind of wrinkle in into our into our system i think in nashville i came away from it a little nervous just as to what that meant defensively you know what you and me and dave were talking like he really is a like left wing back but this last game he was much more 
defensive sounded um, and his positioning, I felt like was a lot more kind of in track with the rest of them. And that was just after one extra week. So I had to imagine as that goes, that'll continue to improve. Yeah. I mean, he had said that he came from a system that played three center backs and then wing backs um, on the sides. And so, you know, I, I think getting used to what the expectations are um, is a, is an important part of it. I think it's fascinating to see, in my opinion, part of the turnaround of this team has been the development and, you know, revelation of, of Benitez, but also DJ Taylor, because we depend so much on our fullbacks providing um, spark in the offensive half. And so when we had O'Neill Fisher and DJ Taylor was kind of up and down, I mean, we were just looking like we had no idea and no disrespect to O'Neill Fisher, but just like, he's not Benitez and DJ Taylor's playing lights out right now too. So um, having those fullbacks to contribute makes a massive difference. Um, And and you can see that. And then not just having them contribute, but having them contribute to the level that Benitez is, which in the Austin game, he was the team leader in number of passes attempted and completed into the final third more than Ray by a long shot, actually. Um, which Ray was kind of playing almost forward like a like a striker. Yep, he was ahead of Amaria most of the game. His his average position was way. And actually, rewatching, I was surprised at how evident that was. Yeah, it it surprised me to see it on the heat map, but then you kind of looked at the game, and I don't know to to see Ray playing that high, but still combining, it, it almost felt like a false nine kind of situation. Um, yeah, I know we're laughing. Ding, right? ding, 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 ding. There it is. There's the word. Um, is there bingo sheet guys? Yep. Yeah. 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 Get me saying, uh, what agreed a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Um, and then a hypothetical question, but, uh, Ray presses like Mm -hmm. he actually, for an offensive player, the thing, you know, you saw them Fragapane goal, but like seeing how willing between Fragapane, Bongi and Ray, how willing these guys are to like sprint at teams playing out of the back. Um, it's cool to see that buy-in because, you know, sometimes offensive players don't really want to, you know, mm-hmm. push themselves. They want to save it for when they get a breakaway or whatever. But like all of these impact players who are offensive impact players are willing to scream uh, across the field. I mean, that Fragapane goal, Cascante, you know, clearly should have, I don't know, probably taken a look around at some point when he received the ball. But like you can't really fault him that much because the last time he looked at Fragapane, he was like 25 yards away. Yeah. And then the next time you've got this little, you know, muscle hamster, you know, <laughs> streaking down the field at you. Yeah, it was almost I mean, it was almost like naive pressure, right? Like there's no reason for Franco to think that he's going to get there at that point. I mean, it was a lot like what yeah. we saw Brendan Aronson, like it's something that you see like a young guy do when he comes on the field for the first time and you're like, all right, bud, like I get that you're trying to like make your mark, but you don't necessarily need to chase three guys around back there, you know? Um, but I mean, obviously it did, it did pay off this time. I want to go back though. I mean, you, we mentioned DJ Taylor, obviously um, Kamara Lawrence out with his ankle issues. DJ Taylor, I thought played fantastic. I mean, he was so good on that, on that left side. Obviously he had the handball, which, I've heard some people complain that they feel like it's not as not a handball. I mean, I, I think it's pretty clearly a handball. It sucks. That, like it is because 
I don't know what else he's supposed to do with his arms in that situation, but also like when you cross a ball into the box and it hits someone's hand like that and stops it from going into the center, it, I feel like it kind of puts it in a, a tougher decision to say like, what else are we going to do? Like it hit his hand and otherwise it was going to go in for like a very dangerous opportunity. So I don't know. But other than I that, think, I thought, so go, yeah, go for it. I think, I think it's a penalty. I think that in situations like that, you um, have to unfortunately account for like people who would act hypothetically, you know, the way that you make a decision on that is if people can act in bad faith and get away with stuff, then like, you know, that's something you have to, to, call. So the point I'm going with that, and I'm trying to find my point as I'm saying it out loud, but you know, somebody hypothetically, a fullback could extend their arms and look away every single time and then say, Ooh, well, I wasn't looking. I, you know, I didn't mean to do it. What was I supposed to do? I wasn't watching, but it's like, okay, but you know, you made yourself bigger. And so high level, uh, defenders, not to say that DJ isn't, but, uh, some of the elite defenders in like, say the premier league, I mean, they keep their arms tucked behind them the entire time. And still sometimes stuff happens where arms go out a little bit. So to me, it's unfortunate. I don't think it was like intentional that he was trying to slap the ball down like Cellini did at the LAFC game. Um, But your arms got out from next to you and you were bigger in your frame than you were originally. And it prevented the ball from going into the box. So yeah, that's that's a penalty. The one I think is interesting, Alex, is... Do you think the Ethan Finley Reynoso situation, our first Austin goal, is that a penalty to you? Yeah, hundred percent. I first off, I think it was much more aggressive than you do because we've actually talked about this before. Um, so I think it's it's a it's a penalty in its own right, but also like that's why you don't do that to players of Ray's caliber. Like it's it's one of those players that's like, well, yeah, you can't just run in and like run into Ray when he's in the box, like he's going to fall over and you're going to get a penalty. But yeah. I also think it actually was more aggressive than I believe you're going to say you thought it was. I mean, I thought it was just a, it was a little soft of a penalty. I think that they're both going to shoulder to shoulder. Um, I don't blame Ray for making a meal out of it. Cause that's what offensive players do. I, I don't. And I, I don't even think it's like terrible. They gave it as a penalty. But I think like, yeah, if they wouldn't have given that as a penalty, I don't think I would have been, you know, throwing my remote at the screen or anything. Um, Two players going for the ball. Ethan Finley Mm -hmm. comes in a little bit too hard with the shoulder challenge Mm -hmm. in the box. Ray had like just gotten the ball somewhat like unexpectedly. Yeah. Kind of like bounced through weird. And I I don't, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like he was like dancing on the ball and, and, and Finley just came in and leveled him. It, it had just gotten there and Finley basically you know, tied the ball, but um, yeah. Which is interesting because it's almost like the reverse of the Ethan Finley um, penalty versus Dahomey, Christian Dahomey, yeah. right, right. Yeah. And it's like, you know, who knows? Who knows? That's the one that's just more confusing to me because I would love to hear like what refs are looking for when they mm-hmm. call that. Because if the Dahomey one went against Ethan Finley, then hypothetically, because Ethan Finley had the ball, Dahomey threw himself at the player. You know what I mean? Like it should. I would love to hear what they're looking for. What's the like? Well, the Dahomey call was terrible. So the Dahomey call was bad. That's bad to there. me. You can't just um, throw yourself at a player and then <laughs> say that they fouled you. That doesn't work. 
but overall, I think it was a penalty. I, it was it was a little aggressive from from uh, from Finley. Um, I think, yeah, you know, I, I think that came off of a, a a DJ Taylor kind of workup as well. He had some really good one, two, threes with um, with with Ray and Franco. He actually should have had an assist towards the end of the game. He laid it on a platter for Ray, and Ray booted over. Who actually like Ray did not have that good of a game. He started out pretty well, but then it just it kind of got like a little sloppy. He had some like some misses that he doesn't usually have. I mean, definitely that one was a sitter. He turned the ball over sometimes kind of cheaply. Um, there was one point where he ran down and followed someone that was like they weren't going anywhere. Why did you do that? Um, which actually I think I came away from it feeling encouraged because I tweeted this out. Like, I think the narrative is always like, well, whatever Ray does, that's how the team goes. But like Ray did not have a great game and we won pretty comfortably when you, I mean, the, the goal line doesn't feel as comfortable, but like watching that game in the moment, I never felt that concerned rewatching it. I felt the same way. And when you look at some like expected goals, like realistically, we probably should have had like three, if not four, Ray being one of those misses and they maybe I mean their one wasn't even like other than that was that was where most of their expected goals came from was the fun of penalty yeah it was a penalty they had like the opportunity at the very end of the game which was scary yeah, when and actually it ended up being offside offside yeah, oh there so. you go yeah so I mean you had the uh, Benitez volley which was mm. that's one of those ones where you're like just for the sake of how clean that hit looked that should have been a goal like Oh my gosh. And I don't even think uh, Stuver like saved it as much as I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, it just kind of hit off him and he collected it. Well, I mean, he shot it right at him. Yeah. He, yeah. he, he, he didn't have time to do anything. It just, it just got, got out to him. So that was amazing. But um, do you think that was, that's a designed play, right? I mean, getting Benitez that wide open for the shot looked intentional. Interesting. Yeah. They said that, I think, I think Cal mentioned that or Kendra, one of them said like, you know, straight off the training ground to, to go back post and have, and I don't know. I mean, obviously Ray picked him out back there open. I don't know if they had some type of like pick and roll situation to like get him open or if they just realized that he was unmarked at the back post, but obviously that's where Ray was aiming. Yeah. So to say, you know, you were saying that you weren't that nervous. I was actually so unnervous. I fell asleep at halftime. Uh, so for those of, I mean, nobody would know this cause I haven't said it, but, uh, I'm recovering from COVID unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so just was not feeling good. And <laughs> Hannah had to wake me up at like half. I mean, it was after halftime. It was like the 70th minute I was asleep, uh, face down in my hands. Cause I was just exhausted. <laughs> and so I, I rewatched the game later. Cause I was like, what? I don't remember any of this, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, apparently I wasn't very stressed either. So no, you were just yeah. feeling real good. Feeling real relaxed. Um, okay, so here's the deal. We talked about Ray not having a great game. Other people stepping up. Uh, let's start with Franco because you already mentioned him. Um, four goals in the last five games. One assist in there as well. The only goal he, the only game he didn't score in was in Colorado, which is kind of you know just a people. Everyone was that game was weird because no one was in there. He has been just a workhorse. I mean, he there he had a play earlier this game where he was running around chasing like three different people and actually led to a turnover further upfield because they had to clear it. This is the Franco that we felt like we were getting last year. And then earlier this year, we questioned maybe we were just wrong at that point. I mean, how his form has been nearly what we saw from Molino coming down the stretch back when we made the Western Conference Finals. How important has that been to us? 
how important is it that it keeps going? Your thoughts? I mean, I think it's it's twofold. I think Molino had a bit more of an offensive spark, um, but I also think that Fragapane, well, you know, it, it is more resilient. Like physically, he he just is available, which is very important. Um, but then also, I think Fragapane is at least a little more willing defensively, especially mm-hmm. if we're pressing. Um, mm-hmm. And you got to imagine, right, from a player perspective having success encourages you to do more. So like the fact that he scored a goal off of that press, like for me, that's one of the best things that could have happened for Fragapane because you know, now moving forward, these next couple of games, even if it's not the whole game, he's going to have some really, really aggressive presses. He's going to buy into that, um, you know, moving forward. So I think uh, his, uh, return to form has been huge for our success. I also think, you know, between him and Kamara Lawrence and uh, DJ Taylor, they're building that chemistry too. I mean, we've had a lot of moving parts. Every MLS team does, of course, but like, I think this team is still feeling out how good they can be. And, and Fragapani is a big part of that. And, and he brings an intensity to this team that I really, I think you need, Right. Between him and Bongi also hustling his butt off, uh, who has also developed very well over the course of the season. Um, we've got a, a high energy, high pace attack and, you know, press on the wings, which is yeah. beneficial here. I think the thing that's surprising me about Franco this year is that how much he cares for this team. I think I always, I don't know why, if it's just his like general look or if it's some of his mannerisms, but he just kind of seems like he's like, he's, he wants to win, but like, he doesn't ever really strike me as like a, like a hometown, like as like a really like, like he was ever gonna have a lot of pride in this club specifically. Um, he just kind of seemed like he had like a bad attitude kind of, but you know, between this week when there was the rumors about him going back to Boca, he mentioned like, no, I'm, I'm really happy here. Like I love this league and like, we're doing good things here. And then after he scored that goal, like not only jumping into the crowd, but like he looked almost emotional, like not obviously mm-hmm. he was emotional, but like it looked like it really meant a lot to him to like score that goal and be winning and like turn it. Like it, it did not look like someone who was just happy that he was playing well. It looked like someone who like truly felt connected to like the club and their success. And I think we've also, whether on purpose or just the way that the cards have fallen, we've like, we've got kind of like a South American contingent going on on the field. And I think that's really helping everyone where in previous years, I felt like we've had a lot of different people from like a lot of different backgrounds and cultures and languages. And, uh, you know, you, you always wonder how much that kind of hurts your ability to become a cohesive unit. Let it be known, Alex McCracken against diversity. So go ahead and put that in your. <laughs> No, I get what you're saying, though. I think there, there is there is a, a cultural styles of playing soccer. And that's why soccer is so cool is because you can tell there's flavors from different cultures in different countries. And, and you can see that. I agree with you. The, the Latin American players, the Hondurans and the Paraguayans, and they connect with each other in a, in a little bit of a special way. And it, it's cool to see. I think it's a good thing. And it's cool to see them you know come together. But like, yeah, um, Fragapani does look, 
emotionally charged. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, really the only two emotions he has are, are spite and anger, but like, it's, it's, <laughs> I'm sorry. He just always looks he like does. a little grumpy. Doesn't he, he, does. he just, yep. but, yep. but you're right. I mean, he had that quote um, after the game talking about how he said, the team is in a great run of form. We're doing things well, but it's not the time to relax. We have to keep going. There's more games left before qualifying to the playoffs. And, and then, you know, like you said, the, the Andy Greeter stuff about, um, you know, the rumors of him potentially maybe going back to Boca. I mean, he pretty much squashed it. He didn't even yep. say like, Oh, Boca is such a great club. And I'd love one day to return. He literally was just like, I'm happy here. And it's yep. like, you know, as fans, especially Midwestern fans, I think we all love a little bit of lip service of like, mm-hmm. Oh, it's so nice up here. Yeah, we know. Right. But he doesn't, seem like the kind of guy that would just say that, you know, yeah. he, he does not seem like the kind of guy who would just be Minnesota nice and say something polite, which makes me feel that much better about how happy he is here. Um, what he needs is a, a raise because I'm pretty sure he's still one of the lower tier paid players yeah. uh, on the team, right? Like he's, he's definitely not in the upper trajectory and I think he needs to be for our team. Do you think the Mendy Garcia signing is going to be something he appreciates or is that going to, is he going to feel like he's losing some of his playing time? I think Mendy Garcia came on something like 70th, 80th minutes like that. This last, this last match um, for Franco Fragapane, who after running around for whatever it was, 60 odd minutes pressing, I, you know, 71st minute is when Mendy Garcia came on. Um, maybe he was like, say his name one more time. What's his name? Mender Garcia. Yeah, I just wanted to, yeah, yeah, I was saying Mendy this Mendy. whole time, but I just looked it up. Um, maybe Franco loves that. You know, whatever, great. Get me out. You know, let me let me run on for an hour and then then get me out of here. I don't I don't need to be out here playing nine minutes. But um, you always, you know, I always get a little nervous when when you get a new a new name in the locker room. Well, it strikes me as um, Fragapani is a player. I don't think he's ever going to want to come out. I, I don't think he's yeah. the kind of player. You know, it's funny. I saw some some comments on Reddit that were talking about like, oh, I wonder if, um, you know, the players are playing harder because they know that there's quality depth behind them. I don't think that's true at all. If if you've played at a high level or even not a high level, like if you're a competitor, you want to be on the field. If you believe you can bring a victory to your team, you don't want to get subbed off. Not It doesn't matter who's behind you. And it's not a like petty thing or that, you know, you don't like the person behind you. It's just, I want to give everything I can and I don't like coming off the field. So I don't know how that'll affect him. And it still remains to be seen if Mender Garcia is going to be more of a left winger or more of a Amaria um, replacement. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of made the substitutions a little strange here because like we'll trap in the Austin game came on for Amaria, you know, it was clearly more of a defensive yeah. substitution. Um, so I, I think in the future, honestly, next up Mender's probably going to be a striker because, you know, we, we have some people who can play either on the wing or, or more of a midfield, you know, left midfield role. I don't think we really have a clear cut backup behind Amaria. Yeah. I mean, it, Don Lottie, but he has not impressed us. Yeah. So, 
And we didn't see much from Mender this game. He he came on. He had a few good touches. He's big. That's nice. I think that Bongi lost all but one of his aerial duels throughout the match. Um, and I don't think Emery did much better. So, if you know, Emery's hold-up play is good. I don't think – I think this game aerial duels were not great along our front line in general. Um so Mendy Garcia, Mender Garcia being a bigger player, that could be great. He looked at some good speed. Um, I think if Rosales hadn't blasted that one of the crowd, he probably could have gotten a goal there. Um, overall, probably too early to tell. Um, but I, yeah, I think I think what we're seeing from Franco is is massive right now, and I am glad to hear that he feels happy to be here. Um, but let's yeah, look he at said, the other side. Oh, he said. I'm really happy here. I'm doing things well to stay here in this country, in this league that I like so much, which, yeah. yeah. I mean, we heard it from, from, uh, I forget. Is it Puig? No, that's the baseball player. Who's no, the that's, guy that that's the right. Yeah. Just got. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's I pronounced. I decided that you weren't saying, I thought I decided I was saying Puig and that's wrong, but whoever it is who came from Barca. Um, I think that there is, It'll be interesting to see if this if it proves to be true that there is a group of young, talented players who maybe feel that the MLS ranks a little higher than what the world would suggest, just given what it can mean to you. you mm-hmm. know, well, I mean, the I read facilities, the just being in America. I think for like a lot of like you know young twenty somethings, the idea of like bopping around LA on the summer sounds pretty good. And like I think there's a lot of those things that maybe are making it. Be, be more attractive to young talent than just like what the world soccer ranking would suggest. Yeah, it is. It is uh, Ricky Puig. I don't know okay. if I'm saying last name, right. Um, who was a, a Barcelona um, product, but I, I read an article. It was um, Adrian Unu actually talking about his time in, in major league soccer. And he was saying that, um, and you take this with a grain of salt if he's just saying it because he played in the league, but the league is much better than people give it credit for. And, mm-hmm. and you look at some of the things that players value and it's eyes, you know, eyes from, from other leagues and teams, it's consistent paychecks, which, um, it, you know, it's been said quite a few times that like even some of the bigger clubs in some of the other, you know, Latin American countries, they will have issues with the paychecks and, you know, being dependent on getting all the money that you feel you're owed in your contract versus I feel like MLS is pretty, I mean, there's like laws about, you know, you, you have to get paid what's on your contract. So, uh, you know, you factor all those things in and like, it does seem like it's an attractive league. Um, and it's not the retirement league that people continue to, to pretend that it is. I mean, you've got guys like Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams who are literally directly MLS products going right into leads and playing, not right into, you know, they had a couple of stops, but being developed and then going into teams that ended up at, at leads and, and playing against Chelsea and walloping Chelsea, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think this league is continuing to grow and develop and attract new talent that, you know, who would have expected, you know, that right. Right. Or the fact that but we beat Everton. Spotlight, yeah. Like the spotlight doesn't shine too bright either though. Right. Like you can still go out and like, it's, I feel like most people can like have a normal dinner without being like mobbed by people. And like, there are still nice facilities that are full and like the game is being televised nationally, but like, it's not like, you know, whatever Boca river plate where like nine times out of 10, it gets canceled. Cause someone like starts 
building on fire. Like, I think that there's also like, it's not so intense the way that something like the, maybe the higher level leagues get where you can either, yeah, the match day experience is downright, you know, violent. Mm -hmm. um, And like, you can't go out afterwards because people are, people recognize you so much more, but it's not Um, empty. You know, it's like, it's It's it's, not empty empty stadiums. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a nice balance to it where, you know, at, at the target near my house, uh, my wife, Hannah and I saw, uh, will trap. And then at one of the West end St. Louis park targets, Hannah saw Luisa Maria. And it's like, you know, nobody was really hassling them. You, you're right. there. Some people might recognize you. Maybe somebody wants to take a photo with you, but it's not like, you know, uh, who's a really well-known like LeBron James, right. You know, NBA is probably the best basketball league in the world. And, and LeBron James probably the most recognizable face. And I don't know. I feel like you go to target, you can't even do that. Cause people are going to mob you, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a nice balance of respect. Uh, but also yeah. nobody's bothering you. Nobody's. And what is that? Is that part of that? Because even like last night on whatever, on Saturday, after the Minnesota United match, there was the United match and a bunch of the players came out and were hanging out with the the fans who were still there. So like, even in situations where they are around people who clearly know who they are, there still is like a level of respect there versus like once you become like, yeah, an NBA player or an NFL player where like the whole country knows who you are, I think you get less of that respect. Is that just because when it's the people who, who are more like diehard sports fans are the only ones who know you, they just have a general more respect for you. Whereas like when, when you're a household name, the more casual fan ends up being more likely to bother you. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I think, I think the more famous somebody becomes, the more like statistically, the higher the odds that there's going to be an obnoxious fan, Mm. you know? So like Mm -hmm. you take Minnesota United, sure. Somebody could totally see Reynoso and be like, Oh, I'm going to go bother him and hassle him because I love him and I want to take some of his hair home or something. Right. (laughs) That could be, but you're dealing with a smaller pool of people who know who he is versus somebody like, you know, I'll keep using LeBron James. Somebody sees LeBron James and they're going, there's a much larger amount of people, which statistically means a lot of people might see him and go, oh, cool, that's LeBron James. Let's take a little sneaky photo. And then some people might be like, I'm going to take his shoelaces home. Like I'm going to go, you know, steal something off him or whatever. So I think it's that kind of a thing. It's just the numbers game. Yeah. I also have Reynoso hair for sale if anyone is interested. Um, Alex did snip a few. Yeah. Is it the silver ones or the black ones? I have both makes. You got both. Yeah. Okay, good, yeah, good, yeah, good, yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. We talked a lot about Lude there. Let's go to the other side, but I don't want to go to Bongi just yet. I want to kind of use that to to get into Robin Lude. He, uh, Pot on Yulun's pointed this out. Uh, he has played, so he's, for nine for nine matches, he's been playing that kind of six or eight role, whatever, which whichever one it's been. Um, the only game we lost in that nine game stretch is the game that he was out on yellow card accumulation. So we have not lost a match since he moved into that center defensive midfielder position. Conversely in that time, I think Bongi has only scored twice or if, if that at all. Um, and it, it's, it's, I, I feel bad cause I'm just running through exactly what Pat on Yulun said, but I, I had been thinking a lot of the same things. I think that Robin Lude still is the best right wing option that we have 
Bongi has been playing a lot better, but he is not scoring the way that Robin Lude was when he was out there. So now what, you know, we've got Jonathan Gonzalez in will traps getting healthier. Um, you know, Kervin Arriaga is obviously back. Rosales has been playing better. Um, do we just keep Robin Lude there? Because after winning, you know, after not losing in eight games with him there, it seems crazy to move him back out there. Or do we know that it's just as, as good as he is there, right wing is his best position and we have to have one of those guys step up and fill in for him. Um, he won. He, he had a great play this game that led to um, the Reynoso penalty kick. And he also had a couple other great plays this game that led to counterattacks that really should have been goals. I honestly do not know. I, I think that, I think that Heath is going to move him back out there again. And it's going to be one of those decisions where it's like, looking back, we probably shouldn't gotten so wrapped up in like the, you know, recency bias. Um, but it's also hard to not look at those numbers and be like, it's, and also just the way that he plays and like what he's bringing to that midfield. Well, so to correct some of the things that you've said, um, <laughs> you know, cause I need to do that. Um, since Robin Lude has switched to that, you know, whether you call it an eight or a six or whatever role, uh, Bongi does have two goals and an assist. So okay. he does have two goals and assist. Um, here's the thing. I think it comes down to whether it's, you can look at goals coming from that right side and say, well, we're getting a little bit less, which I don't think it's that much less. Um, But also the effect of having such an adept passer in that position that when Ray gets, you know, locked down by somebody, people are are marking him closely. You Mm -hmm. still have either uh, Will Trapp or Kervin Ariaga and also a Robin Lude who can break a lot of lines with his passes. Um, you also see the fact that like, I didn't know Lude had it in him. I didn't know he yeah. had the bag defensively that he does, but like, he's kind of a physical dude. He never really did it that right. much when he was on the wings, but in central midfield, I mean, I'm genuinely impressed at how physical and tough his hits are. Like it's, yep. it's. He took the ball off Mukhtar. Uh, a couple, maybe it was Man, maybe it was Leal. Either way, it was one of national. No, I think it was it was both. I think it was both. Yeah, and he he stopped he stopped a counter one time specifically that was like a very good defensive play. We had that one tackle where it was like he stripped the player of the ball and then flicked with his heel. Yep, and one time to Reynoso, and uh, yeah, I just so it, to me it's like look when people are all healthy we can have that conversation, but right now, I mean we're cooking man, we're cooking. And I don't think we need to mess with a good thing. I think Bongi still offers a ton of energy. He still offers a lot of creativity and it doesn't hurt that he's getting a lot of playing time on that right wing because if, or when, you know, Lou does pop back out to the right side, we still got um, a young developing player, a lot of, of playing time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, and also I think it means a lot for, for Lou's career too. Cause I think as, you know, as his legs, you know, as he gets older and, you know, maybe can't do as much running on the wing, I think knowing that he can move back into the middle is is definitely something that later in his career could help him a lot, um, if not immediately. I And I, I still think the other thing about having him not out on the right is that we don't really have anyone behind Bongi. So we don't really, not that he really needs it right now, but like we're kind of burning one of our subs by bringing them into the middle where we have right now now that everyone's healthy again, a, a borderline log jam. So 
I do think we're going to put Ray back or put Lude back out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, man, I bet if, I bet if something goes wrong, they're, they're not far behind being like, we're going to put Lude back in there if you guys can't figure this out. So hopefully, I, I don't know what the plan with Jonathan Gonzalez is. You know, we put Mendy Garcia in for in the 71st minute, like three days after he got here. But like Jonathan Gonzalez has only been getting like three or four minutes and has been here for a couple of weeks. Um, I don't know if that was just like a, yeah, sure, we'll take him. Or if it's like they really do think he could be the future. Um, well, I mean, maybe the instructions are a little bit different where. Right. That's fair. A striker or a winger, you're just saying, hey, it, like in that specific situation with Garcia, you're saying like, just run, you know, just yeah. run the ball, chase down, you know, the defenders and run versus a central defender, especially defensive midfielder. You're like, well, we want to know, you know, exactly what. Right. your responsibilities are it might just be you know different that way yeah and i don't know i mean we'll, I, we, I don't know where we're at with bull trap you know i i think that there are some people who felt really really down on him for most of this year um and i think that there are some people who feel that maybe his play is just it doesn't necessarily stand out as much so when he starts to get healthy here it'll be really interesting to see what the staff thinks about him and and where he left off and what he has to offer going forward because I think, I think it's going to be one of those two. I, I don't think we're going to move like Lude back out right to put Rosales in or something like that. I think, I think it comes down to Will Trap and Jonathan Gonzalez being someone has to be to take that position. Yeah, and I don't know who it's going to be. Isn't this the last year of Will Trap's uh, contract? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. No, I'm going to go ahead and just spread unverifiable information and not look it up. So. So what's Might your gut be. telling you? Do we move Lude back out right, or do we do we not? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think where we're at right now, especially because Bongi can clearly show that he can, he's got youthful legs. Like he he can go at the same level all ninety the whole time. Like it's not like you know some players in their in their thirties the ripe old age of 30 uh they dip off in the 70th minute or something it's like look he can show that he can keep that pace the whole time and i think you know fragapane can as well and then we also have garcia to potentially come in um i don't think we change anything right now i think there's no real reason to and as much as you want to be like oh let's get everyone playing time this isn't jv right i mean Mm -hmm. it, it you're not owed fair playing time unless you're Adrian Anu and you're a DP and you scored seven goals last year in limited minutes and should have probably gotten playing time. But that's a different conversation. Um, you're still not owed time. So I think we keep it as is. I think one of the, the biggest things is that Lude has shown himself to be uh, very competent defensively and he offers something offensively that a lot of our six or eight players don't offer. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's very calm in the midfield and he's, he's very aware of a lot of different things. So you saw him making really good passes over the top, you know, some line breaking stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's a reason to switch it. And honestly, yeah. I wouldn't, you want to have that conversation in the off season, maybe, but until something happens where we need to put knock on wood, where we need to put him back out on the wing, I keep him where he is. Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting too, if he could, if he could get, 
his kind of shooting boots going again. He had two good chances on goal this game that he didn't take particularly well. If he could get more comfortable with taking shots on net from that position, I mean, now we're talking about the best of both worlds, right? He still is the offensive scoring threat, and he's still in the middle. Because when, when he gets the ball in the middle and turns and starts upfield, it's different than when Will Trapp does it. And, and say what you will yeah. about like people, oh, like Will Trapp's passes are so perfect. And like, yes, they are. But like, it's just different having Lou there. I, it's it's something that we haven't seen. And I, I mean, we haven't lost since he's been playing there. Maybe that's just scheduling, whatever. But it if this next game we're playing Houston, so maybe that's not a bad time to, to put him back out there and see what happens. But you get so nervous about messing with stuff now. You know, we have eight games left. We're, we're one point behind Dallas, even though we have two games in hand. Um, but, and we've, we've made a little bit, a little bit of a gap behind uh, between us and the fifth place team. Real Salt Lake is on 38 points. We're on 41 points and we both have 26 games. The galaxy are back there on 34, 30, 34 points. So there's seven points back, uh, but they have a game in hand on us. They've only played 25. So, there's not a lot of like room to play, but I do think, especially when you look at our schedule going down the 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 way here, we play um, Houston this weekend at home, which they're they're twelfth place, I think. Then we have RSL and Dallas, which are going to be tough. Um, Portland is right there as well, so RSL, Dallas, Portland, and then LAFC. That's a tough four game stretch. But then we end the year with Kansas City, Salt Lake, uh, San Jose, and Vancouver. So despite things being tight, we do play some favorable matchups, I think. So maybe we try some things. I, I don't know. Personally, I say just don't touch it. It's going well. Yeah. So we went a little longer than I think we were planning to, but you know, it's been a while. So uh, we'll wrap this up here in a sec. We do have some questions that you guys were gracious enough to pass along to us. Um, So, you know, thank you again for, hanging in there while we took a little break. Um, but, you know, I'll start them right off here. Question from Nick. Is, does this coming Saturday's match versus Houston feel like a trap game, given we're coming off a big win, plus the match is a 2.30 p.m. kickoff? Let me see that during these afternoon matches. Yeah. I mean, I think the 2.30 thing is very true. We always seem to struggle during early games. Um, there's no reason this should be a trap game, right? Like we're a very good team. Houston has some good players, but they're not playing as well as we are. I think that we are going to feel like these are trap games until I don't even know when, until like when we had like emotionally healed enough from just being Minnesota sports fans that like every time we play a bad team, you're not just like, Oh God, they could beat us. Um, but yeah, they definitely could beat us, right? Like they have good players. And if we don't come out, you know, and play at least halfway decent, they will. So I'm not feeling like hundred percent confident. I'm trying to, to just feel like we've turned a new page and we're going to win this game. But uh, yeah, I hear you. Grant. Yeah, I don't, I mean, it's MLS, right? So I can you hear me testing. Yeah. Yeah. You, you froze for a minute there, but you're back now. Yeah. I turned off my camera just cause I, uh, it helps with the, the audio, but uh, yeah, it's MLS. So, you know, I don't think any game is not a trap game. You know what I mean? Like you, 
MLS is very similar to the NFL in the whole any given Sunday type thing where really there's not a team that can't squeak out a weird win against another team, right? Especially with stuff like corner kicks, you can get pounded with shots by LAFC and you still manage to get one header on a good corner kick and it's a goal. You win one zero, right? Mm -hmm. So um, could it be a trap game? Sure. But I mean, this team is really clicking. Yeah. I, I don't think it is personally. I think this one isn't um, the one that I'm concerned about. It's, and this wouldn't be a trap game, but it's, you know, real salt Lake uh, on Wednesday. To me, that's one where it's like, mm-hmm. that's going to be, yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one. So, yeah. Um, Mika wants to know if we want her to come on to chat about anything. Alex, uh, I'll let you t- take that one. Yeah, well, then she left. So I-, I don't know what that was about. She's gone right now. We're recording. Well, clearly this. she's not dedicated. And she's out running errands. So just snooze, you lose. Oh, errands. Uh, Tyler Kirchner. Kircher. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, how much does the energy at home give these guys an emotional lift? That game versus Austin was intense from start to finish. The mindset seems to have changed. Noticed it a lot against Nashville too. It's great to see. I'll be there on Saturday. Contribute. Well, thank you for being there. It's, it makes a, I think it makes a difference. Crowd energy is huge, man, especially feeling positivity or hostility from, you know, the, the people, whether it's a home crowd or an away crowd. Um, I, I mean, I don't think, I personally don't go as far to say that like it sways the game, but I think it, it lends a boost. I think, you know, having a huge crowd cheering you and supporting you gives you a little extra gear that you wouldn't normally have when you're, you know, at no way stadium. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you hear players and, and coaching staff stuff talk about how important it is. So obviously it is important. Uh, and, and even Heath leading up to this match, I think knowing he, he kind of primed the primed the pump a little bit and said, like, we really need the crowd to be into it. And I think people heard that and, and took that instruction. I honestly don't understand it because it's not like like American football where, like, the crowd is being loud while you're trying to, like, play make play calls at the line. And then when your team is making play calls, they're quiet. You know, like, there's not, like, a true advantage, but – for whatever like psychological reason, having knowing that the the noise is your home crowd, um, and I think obviously there's some like that hostility that comes with like people booing you and those things. Um, it it obviously makes a difference. I don't understand it, but it does. It's science. It's science. Tony P wants to know who wins in a mascot fight, PK or Rapid Man? The tough I one. Don't know, Rapid Man. I'm looking it up right now um, just to see yeah, what he looks Rapid like. Rapid Man's scary. So, like, I guess is this, oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, he is. That is, <laughs> that is very Look, scary. I, here's what I'm going to say. If, if I were to meet one of these two mascots in an alleyway, uh, I would want it to be PK and not Rapid Man. Yeah. And so that's my answer right there. Yeah, I think maybe in the water, PK's got the advantage. There's loons, whatever uh, Rapid Man is, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm giving it to. Don't Rapid think Man too hard about talking. this one. I'm thinking if we're talking about land, it's it's Rapid Man. Uh, if if it's in the water, I think that the, the PK has got the advantage. Obviously, I had a, there's something in his eyes, man. I just Rapid Man scares me. No, thank you. Do you see Rapid Man in the room with you right now, Grant? Yeah. <laughs> 
Is he here with us? MN Hick says, would love to hear y'all discuss the pros and cons of moving load back to right wing mm. to start and bring Bongi in at the hour mark. I think Bongi and Mender coming in late will give us more speed than we ever have. Well, I think we kind of discussed that for a bit. So yeah. unless well, you want to add. Well, asked the same thing, kind of. He says, yeah. I think it's crazy that some people think now that Trap is healthy, you move him back and loot out the right wing. I just don't get it. Um, Matt chimed in on that as well. When we obviously already talked about it. I, I think it's going to be super interesting to see what it is. I, I know that th- there's a quote from Heath talking about how you never want to move a goal scorer further away from goal. Um, that was a few weeks ago. I don't know how much, you know, what was in that quote or how much has changed since then, but it's, it's a really tough, really tough decision. And unfortunately I don't think it's like a, well, there is no wrong answer because he's great in both. I think, I think we could move him back out to the right and we could have issues in the central uh, midfield and right now with how tight the with how tight the 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 standings are we don't really have games to get it wrong and you know i talked about some of those bad opponents we have coming up so maybe you just like test it out against like houston and kansas city and like make sure that trap or whoever it's going to be can can come in and do the job that lou's been doing but man it's it's not like a a win-win situation i think and i am glad i'm not the one that has to make it I mean, I think my decision is already made if it was up to me. So I, I wouldn't really want to change it too much. Yep. Um, I'm not against testing out stuff, but like, in my opinion, we've got, you know, what, eight games left, something like that, seven games. Um, you kind of want to cement your playoff lineup as near and dear as possible, like as close to what you're really going to do. So whatever he can picture as uh, the playoff lineup. I I just want to start doing that and get everyone as accustomed uh, to each other as possible. Yeah. Plus we got a lot of speed uh, added with Benitez Benitez. Yep. Um, You know, again, not trying to keep dunking on like O'Neill Fisher, but like he's just far away. I mean, he's faster than Metonier maybe even at Metonier's peak. Um, yeah. And and I think he's definitely faster on the ball than DJ Taylor. So it's like, yeah, we're getting, we're getting plenty of speed coming down these wings, no matter what. Well, and something interesting here, I'm just noticing is that Matt Olson replies to Christopher saying that he would actually put trap in, start leave Bongi and then bring Lude on in like the 60th. I think that, is not that would not get my vote. I think if if you're gonna put trap in, then you put then you put loot out on the right and let Bongi be the, the 60th minute sub. I don't think there's any formation that I would ever sign on to that doesn't have loot in the starting eleven. Yeah, I mean, you you want loot on the field for a majority of the game, no matter what. Like it's it's got to be starting eleven and seventy minutes, pretty much in any scenario. And really, the only time you'd really bring him off in the 70th is if he's running up and down the wings. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all I got, Alex. Um, I don't know. Anything yep, you want to add? Yep. Or? We got to the questions. It's the seasons. I mean, man, these these game, these weekends are just getting crazy with with how important everything is and how much it's coming down. I, I'm not sold on LAFC. I, I feel like it's like a running joke now. But, like, I just – I don't know, man. I don't know that this is going to work the way that they think they're so sure it's going to, you know, to have 
to have two-year star players come in and this like big signing and then they're like sitting out every other week for load management and like I get you have depth and you can do that but like that stuff impacts a locker room and you can say what you want to about like oh well it's not gonna but like LAFC was very good already and they brought in a bunch of new people who like they're like oh this is the new this is MLS 3.0 and everyone else who was on that team who was already winning the league heard that and up until this past week, they've never really been tested. And then they just barely squeaked by a 10-man DC United and then lost to San Jose. And sure, those things happen from time to time. But like, I don't think it's crazy to think that they're going to trip up here at the end of the year. And all of these big names who have been brought in with such, you know, pop and whatever, it, at a certain point, it just, it just might not work for them. So I'm really interested to see what happens with them down the end of the stretch. Um, there's a lot of interesting storylines, man. Both the Cascade, all the Cascadia teams are out, outside the playoffs. Um, you know, LA Galaxy just barely got in currently, but um, you know, there's there's so much there. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to can they get motivated mad or can do they do they get you know collapse mad, right? Yeah. Like he- hearing those things about you know MLS 3.0 and all that stuff. Like, what does it do to them? Does it does it fire up the locker room or does it cause infighting and, and pettiness. And, you know, I can see it go either way. I don't like LAFC, but like, I, I'm, I, I don't think I'm quite the hater. Uh, that yeah. you- I don't think I'm an, I'm not a hater. I just, it, yeah, yeah. You are is, personally, but yeah, yeah but just it own is what it. It is. it is what it yeah. is. It is as hate is what it is. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, until until next time, keep setting your fancy lineups. We got like like four weeks well, left. Yeah, we skipped the the week where uh, I beat you in fantasy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we did. We conveniently skipped over that. But I didn't want to, you know, let that go unmentioned. So. Well, thank you for bringing that up. We really You're welcome. It. I'm here for yeah. the people. All right. Well, as always, go loons. Go loons. <laughs>